This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. Last month, we had the entire month-long theme about planning your corporate AI strategy. And this month, for all four episodes of December, that's every single Tuesday in December, we have the theme of using AI for a competitive advantage. We speak first in this month's series with Monica Wiltzak, who uh, heads up artificial intelligence for EY Advisory. EY, obviously, one of the largest consulting advisory firms in the world, uh, way up there in the big four. Monica speaks to us from her experience about how large companies can start to get an edge over the competition by leveraging AI. And she puts a lot of emphasis on how companies actually get started, where they actually begin with AI as kind of a lever point for garnering advantage. I mean, Monica's got obviously a lot of experience in this space and some relevant things to say. So without further ado, we're going to fly into this episode. This is Monica Wilksack, Ernst & Young, here on AI and Industry. So Monica, where I wanted to start off with you here today is just around competitive advantage in general. When you think about sort of how AI can be leveraged for a competitive advantage in business, where do you like to start? How do you like to explain what real competitive advantage can mean? Well, I think um, it is fair to say that by now we have enough evidence that AI is creating competitive advantage in business in a multitude of different ways, right? Uh, we are seeing that AI is finding its way into pretty much every corner of the market globally and within the enterprise, enterprise from the back office to the front office. So given the range of these applications and given the audience, right, I think it might be good to talk about AI's impact in the context of fundamental business objectives. So the first one that, of course, is top of line is to improve operational efficiency. And if we unpack that one, uh, we can talk about decreasing costs, improving planning and operational efficiency or efficacy, and accelerating production cycles. So if we look at market permission and applicability to business processes, I think uh, cognitive extension of RPI is where we are seeing a lot of activity today. It is, in a nutshell, bolting intelligence onto robotic processes to go yep. beyond deterministic automation to intelligent automation, right? And further lower the cost. So if we want to talk about examples, one example that really cuts across all of the industries and it's relevant across the enterprise is document intelligence, which is all about automating document management to reduce, and by large factors, the time and cost of reviewing business documents and at the same time boost the overall control of information. So if we think about it, DI, which is document intelligence, has yep. really a lot of these applications. And if we think about it, all of these places where you can think about applying AI have at least one thing in common, and they suffer from the document overlap. So in procurement, you can think about a lot of different contracts where document intelligence can be used to ensure compliance with the terms of the contracts or payment terms. Another example might be operations. They are dealing with a lot of distribution of content, and here DI can be used to accelerate identification of the right content uh, to be available at the right time and distributed to the right audience. Regulatory, 
may want to use AI to monitor all of the different unstructured content to make sure it's compliant with policies and spot the content that might be needed written up in adverse reaction reports. In HR, you can think about using document intelligence to filter incoming resumes on key job requirements and ensure that all of the requirement information is submitted by applicants. So you can go on about this document intelligence view really for a long time. And there are many extensions of it, right? With a lot of good value that can be delivered across key metrics, right? Such as accuracy in interpreting classification of documents, You can think about metrics around reduction of manual effort or positive rates accomplished by the deployment of machine learning algorithms. All of these metrics have now proven success in deploying DI in business. So that's just one example aligned against improving operational efficiency. If you don't mind, could we poke into that just a little bit, Monica? Would you, if we could just dive into that a bit with you? Of course. Great, great. So you, you're bringing up kind of a really interesting frame here. There's two things I think would be great for the audience to explore. One is that when you think about competitive intelligence, you think about kind of core business objectives. So, you know, I assume, you know, you mentioned this one is around efficiencies. Another might be around improving revenues or market share or something. So it's, it's interesting to start with that, that band. And I think you're going to go more into that and I don't want to interrupt you, but I think that's a really cool starting point around this document intelligence kind of application, which ties to, to efficiencies. And like you said, ties to risk around compliance. I mean, it can tie to different things. Um, do you think that document intelligence will be kind of just the new normal, just another layer of intelligence on top of normal enterprise services? Or do you see it as a genuine sort of competitive advantage in a bigger picture? In other words, do you, do you see it as kind of like a slight level up for pretty much everybody as the technology continues to be better and some people leverage a little bit of AI? Or do you see this as really a way where some companies can pull away from others in, in a broader sense of kind of competitive dominance? Um, what's your take there in terms of document intelligence's role? Well, when we talk about AI, everything is changing rapidly. So what's true today doesn't necessarily hold yep, tomorrow. Yep. And so if we're talking about today, absolutely. I believe that document intelligence is one of those very simply defined and very nicely scoped applications. And because it builds on RPA, which many companies have already deployed or are in the process of scaling up, it is a natural bolt on the top of it. Now, it doesn't mean you can easily extend the way you are working with RPA into AI because it's a totally different technology. But as you're going about relooking all of your internal processes and identifying opportunities for automation, intelligent automation is a very natural extension. Now, it should not be looked at as a long-term unique type of strategy because there is a limit, right? How much you can replace people with machines, even if you do it in a very intelligent way, because that's what we're talking about. This is about deploying a fusion of technology. Document intelligence is about machine learning, natural language processing, optical character recognition, all of the different techniques blended together and organized in a process. And deployment of that is something that can be mastered. And those companies that 
view it at a strategic level under this decreasing cost and operational efficiencies uh, umbrella can definitely leapfrog the competition and deploy the savings and the people's time to more cognitive yeah. intense activities. And it is a big, big lever that you can use today. Now, going forward five, 10 years ago uh, uh, into the future, clearly there will be another frontier. So all of these cutting edge frontiers don't stay unique for a long time, given the speed for of change. Sure. For sure, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's it's a way to get an edge that might snowball into something bigger, but it's not by itself necessarily gargantuanly transformative. But it's it's part of the mix, and uh, I you know I think it was a valuable one. You use that as an example when it comes to efficiencies. Where else did you want to start? What are these other kind of core business objectives that competitive advantage can spin out of? Well, as you already uh, pointed out, um, the way I started to lay it out is along the four dimensions of the PNL or business objectives. So there is an example I could share or many examples in the general arena of generating more revenue. We can talk about enhancing human experiences and finally a big area of reducing risk, which is really a composite on many different things. And yep. again, many of these examples that we can talk about are cutting edge today because very few companies have really scaled them up into an enterprise level. And many of these things still are being piloted or experimented with. And people find a lot of barriers that prevent them from scaling them up, which is a different topic uh, regarding how to really build a sustainable AI program. But because of these challenges, those who can make it work and do it now can clearly create a first mover advantage for themselves and compete on that basis. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's ways to get what you're saying is, yeah, there's, there's an edge that you can gain today. And of course, the edge of what's truly innovative is always going to be moving, but there's a way to play that into the future. One quick question to maybe poke off of this, uh, Monica, before I get into my second question with you. It's sort of around how a lot of venture capitalists think about competitive advantage with, with AI, not necessarily for startups, but just business in general. We did a big series on this um, two years ago. And they use a lot of examples of the Amazons and Googles, where if you can build a product that's so good that a lot more folks use it, which in other words means you just build a bigger plume of data, then potentially you can use that data to improve the product so much that many more people are going to choose to do business with you and you're going to collect more data, and then that will snowball to the point where Google is a an immovable monopoly. I'm not making like a legal judgment on them. I'm, I'm not chastising them or uh, anything. I'm just saying they, they more or less have an, a monopoly on broad search for the internet. Amazon more or less has a monopoly on broad e-commerce um, in, in large part due to the fact that the product was good, they collected the data. The product was so good, they collected more data to the point where who the hell can ever catch up with them now. That kind of um, data dominance game, is that something that you see enterprises trying to move forward? Or is that far too much of a, of a big tech thing and not necessarily something that I guess enterprise firms should, should really be considering? Well, I think there are two aspects to the question you are asking. First of all, organizational readiness. So intellectually, 
it does make a lot of sense. And as a matter of fact, one of the examples that we can talk about around generating more revenue is really thinking about adoption of products and services that a business offers based on real-time insights, discovery of emerging consumer trends, and then using that knowledge to give rise to new products and services or adoption of the existing products and services to meet those needs, which then clearly gets to adjusting the whole pricing in terms of dynamic work and thinking through how you can incorporate all the learnings into a broader agenda and maybe launch a brand new one of business, which gets us also to potential monetization of data, which not every enterprise is really open to. However, smaller businesses, especially in the startup phase, are more interested in finding different ways of monetizing the value of the assets that they have, especially if they are digital assets. So I think there is so much low-hanging fruit and more intuitive ways of thinking about in an enterprise. Think about it. Right now, market is awash with POC and pilots, and we are at the inflection point, right? to really start scaling up into enterprise level. I think a more natural step forward is to build upon the foundation and use AI in an enterprise way for low-hanging fruit to really get a sense of the organizational readiness. And I keep saying organizational readiness because to really be good in a long, sustainable way, businesses should not be thinking about models and AI because they are not the ones that drive the advantage. It is about execution of how you operationalize developed models, how you bring them to market in alignment between a variety of key elements which span business technology. People are supported by the right governance and require the right type of change management. And so if an organization today has a challenge executing on a more traditional analytics strategy, which is still the case. The transition from being scattered around use of data into focused analytics strategy is not yet complete in the marketplace. And here we go with the the addition of AI. And AI, AI is totally different than traditional analytics. And it cannot be added on the margin of just going from the traditional analytics into AI. It requires a totally different mindset. It requires a design of thinking. And if you are going to go in that direction, I think it's prudent to start with something that is a little bit easier to do, but has a huge potential in terms of business impact. So think about two dimensions. Business impact and ability to execute. I think those two have to be at the high level to guarantee success, at least in the first phase of going into that space. I'm with you in many regards. I think that I I think it is useful to think about broader AI transformation and what that could really mean in terms of the future of an industry and, and thinking about the totality of a business model being overhauled. But that's 
clearly not where you'd want to start. And as you said, um, can we think about readiness? Can we think about gauging that readiness with successful initial projects and picking up that low-hanging fruit? Undeniably, that is the place where implementation should begin in an enterprise, especially like you said, when basic analytics or kind of traditional uh, analytics as it is today sort of is still getting caught up in, in many enterprises. Maybe we can end on that point. I know I had one last question. We can make it brief was around sort of what business leaders can do to set themselves up for a competitive advantage. And you have been talking here a good deal about a really critical importance of, uh, of, of making sure you're ready. And maybe we can talk about a little bit of that, what, what those readiness factors are, what executives can think about to kind of gauge where they stand um, in terms of, of that readiness. Because I think if they want to set themselves up for, for real competitive advantage, they obviously need it. How do you advise people to think through that in the C-suite? Well, the feedback that we get from clients and observing what's going on in the market points to a number of factors that are really uh, standing as roadblocks. And it seems that enterprises are struggling with similar pain points, such as lack of vision, challenges in leadership, lack of expertise, poor governance, issues around data quality, uh, just to name some of the factors. And if you yeah, think about the result of that, right, to put it in perspective, Gartner, for example, said that 85% of AI projects by 2020 will deliver inaccurate outcomes due to bias in data, algorithms, and data teams. The other report uh, talks about only 8% success rate in terms of scaling up any successful POC. So oh, oh yeah. I mean, that, that's it, even that's optimistic, but yeah, go ahead. So if you think about it, the one way that we talk about often is really thinking through in a very structured way, your vision and your thinking about AI. And there are a lot of questions that one has to really start with. Even with a basic question of why AI? Is it a part of the business strategy or is that an experiment that somebody wants to run? I think the question should be answered in a very clear way that for successful AI program, you need to make it a part of central business strategy. You need executive leadership. You need to have a sponsor that can galvanize the organization and focus them on alignment between those elements that I mentioned earlier. And not to forget a couple of questions regarding ethics and compliance or adherence to the brand values. It is so easy to move forward quickly and potentially really damage brand integrity. And we have seen many examples of what it can do if someone rushes quickly. I think it's critical to recognize that and make sure that it's not just about regulatory compliance and ethics, but if whatever we do is going to be in line with what our target audiences and customers expect. If you think it through that and then start thinking about the scope that you really want the program to focus on, and you can go back to these business levels, you can start in one area, or you can say, we want to play across. The bigger the scope, the more thinking organizationally you need to make regarding roles and responsibilities alignment. Yeah. And then yep. before you even start, you have to assess. And there are many things that you need to look at so that 
as you start thinking at the next phase about use cases and start diving deep into the scenario at hand, getting granular understanding of how the particular business problem fits into an end-on-to-end process, how this decision is going to change, how either decisions are made or actions are taken, and think through implications of all of that in the composite. Intelligence is infused, but it has a cascading effect, and it may change a lot of things along the spectrum of from data ingestion all the way to data consumption or outcome consumption. And if you don't think through all of that, you may find yourself in a difficult situation and or you will not be able to scale up the proof of concept. So the one thing that we always talk about is the need for AI strategy. And I'm not talking about technology strategy. That's a byproduct of building AI strategy. You may discover you need to modernize your data strategy. You may need to modernize your technology strategy. You may need to upgrade your talent strategy. All of that is just a stepping stone to creating a blueprint that is a roadmap that you need to design. That's the key thing. AI needs to be done by design, not by ad hoc approach of thinking where we can use it. And it is because, and an interesting thing, there is a lot of, I would say, bias in terms of common understanding what we as humans in the organizations can do. And we think we can do much more because we have a technology on our hands that can be powerful. And that shortage of thinking can really lead to outcomes that are undesired. And so that is one of the cautions that I would put out as people are thinking about creating that program that would run in a sustainable in long way. Yeah, well, I, I think these are all really important points. So kind of the way that I'm thinking about summarizing this is that in order to have a competitive advantage, you really have to get started in the right way. You have to set yourself up. And in an enterprise, getting that competitive advantage means not making big, expensive bumbling errors early on. And and I think that's a critical lesson to be taken home for the folks who are tuned in. So Monica, I know that that's all that we had for time, but I, I really like ending on, on that note there. And I thought that that was some excellent insight. So thank you for joining us on AI and industry. Thank you very much. So that's all for this episode of AI and industry. Monica spoke a lot in this episode about finding places to start with artificial intelligence within a business. If you're looking for areas of AI opportunity, whether it's in your business, whether it's in a business that you work with as a client, um, be sure to download our three ways to find AI trends in any sector report. It's a very short report. It's brief, but it's intended to be actionable, something that anybody can use to more accurately pick up on the high ROI trends within their sector. You can go to emerge.com slash T3 
that's emerj.com slash t3 and download that free pdf report on finding ai trends in any sector hopefully that'll help you take some of monica's ideas and put them into good use be sure to stay tuned in for next tuesday as we interview the vp of evolutionary ai at cognizant on the same theme of keeping a competitive edge by leveraging ai within your business so that's it for this episode i'll catch you next time